Let's go. Thanks for reading. Well, good evening, everyone. I hope you're feeling good for a Sunday night. My name's Mike. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, yeah, we're continuing our series in the Lord, in, a, in the Ten Commandments of our great God and Lord. And uh, today we come to the third one. But before we jump in, uh, let me pray. Well, Heavenly Father, uh, in light of uh, last week's commandment, we thank you that you are not some mute idol, that you are not some idol that does not speak, but you are the God who speaks, the God who has spoken, the God who has revealed himself in his word and most wonderfully in Jesus, your son. And we pray now as we hear that word, that you help us by your spirit to live in light of it. In the name of Jesus, your son. Amen. Well, uh, like I just said, today we come to the third commandment. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Or uh, if you're a little bit older, you might be familiar with the slightly more traditional translation. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And uh, when we hear that command, and I've asked people about this, but when we hear that command, our minds quickly jump to using the name of God as a swear word. So uh, to take God's name in vain or to blaspheme God's name or misuse God's name is to say things like, and I feel slightly uncomfortable saying it, but to say things like, oh my God, or, uh, or to use the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as a swear word. Now, you know, when uh, someone is upset at somebody else or when uh, somebody sees something unbelievable or incredible or mind-blowing, they might say those words, use the name of our Lord in that way. And uh, at one level, this, this command, it does speak to that. Uh, you see, I, I can't understand why unbelievers, why, why uh, so many in our world who have no trust or no time for God at all would use his name in that way, uh, I don't understand why they do it. Uh, really, they're just products of the culture around us. And uh, in the last hundred years or so, for some reason, people have started to use God's name in that way as a, as a swear word. But for the believer, for us who hold God's, God's name in high honor, who have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, this command warns us not to be so flippant. Not to, to, to kind of be so careless in how we use and say God's name. Uh, as Christians, we should never use Jesus' name as a swear word. Uh, we shouldn't do that. Uh, as Christians, we shouldn't be so flippant and irreverent when we say things like, Oh my God. Or even when we type OMG. Or, or say, you know, for God's sake. Or that kind of language. You see, this is the Lord our God. He's our God. It's, it's dishonoring to our God to do that. When we do those sorts of things, we buy into the culture around us and we kind of show people around us that, that God isn't that important to us, that we use him as a swear word like they do. But uh, while the third commandment has something to say about using God's name in that way, that's not primarily what this command is about. Just, just think about it for a moment. You see... This wasn't Israel's issue. God gave his Ten Commandments three and a half thousand years ago to Israel. When God first gave these Ten Commands to Israel, he, he wasn't warning them about being flippant about how they use his, his name and using his name as a swear word. You see, it's not as though uh, as God was, was performing his wonderful and marvelous deeds in the land of Egypt that all the Israelites, as they saw that, turned to one another and said, Oh my God! 
Like, they didn't do that. It wasn't as though as, as Israel crossed the Red Sea and as Moses parted the sea and they crossed on dry ground that they you know, pulled out their smartphones and took photos and put it on Instagram saying, OMG. They didn't do that. You see, this, this was not Israel's issue, not at all. And so this command has actually much more to teach us and to warn us about than we might first realize. And uh, before we spend our time uh, working out what God means primarily by this command, we need to realize right from the beginning that this is a clear warning command. Uh, There's a clear warning here. There's a punishment. Just have a look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Make sure you've got it there. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. This is the command. It says, Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Why? Because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. And so as God gave this to Israel, there was clear warning. Uh, There was clear punishment if they failed to keep this command. And you see that in the Old Testament. You see that with the exile. Israel failed and they are punished for the way they misuse God's name. And God keeps his word. He, He does what he says he will do. So what is God saying then in this command? Well, the command itself is actually quite broad. Uh, and I've got the two translations there up on the screen. And uh, there's, a hope, there's a helpfulness in both those translations. They're the two kind of most common ways to translate the command. Because for the command to say, the first one there, for the command to say, do not misuse the name of the Lord, it automatically makes us think of more than just using his name as a swear word. It's do not misuse God's name in any way. But the older translation, the second one there on the screen, you shall not take the name in vain, is also helpful because it talks about the idea of taking up God's name, of lifting up God's name, of of kind of wearing God's name and bearing God's name. And to do that in vain is really to get at the idea of taking or wearing the name of God for nothingness, for falsity. Uh, for, uh, for deception even is the way the word can be translated. And so the command itself in its, original war, in its original wording is really broad. It's quite broad. It allows a range of meanings and so there's a range of ways that we might break this command. But I want to, uh, I want to focus on two main ways that this command is broken, mainly because these are the two main ways we see Israel in the Old Testament break it over and over again. And uh, the first point there on your outline is is that we misuse God's name when we use it to our own advantage. And for Israel, one example of doing this was taking an oath and, uh, and kind of the idea of, of swearing by God's name and not in that kind of cussing sense, not in that using it as a swear word sense that I just spoke about, but in that sense of oath-taking, in that sense of, you know, I solemnly promise in the name of God whatever it might be. So a couple of examples from the Bible, Leviticus 19.12 up on the screen says this, God says, you must not swear falsely by my name, profaning the name of the Lord of your God, I am Yahweh. Or in uh, Jeremiah 5.2, when God is talking about rebellious Israel and here they were rebelling, it says, when they say, as the Lord lives, as in swearing by God's name, taking an oath, they are swearing falsely. And so to do that, to uh, say something and promise something and kind of use God's name to back up what you're saying or to give weight to what you're saying, and yet you're lying, 
and yet don't do what you say you will do, well, to do that is to use God's name to your own advantage. It's to misuse God's name. And I must say, it's not something I see as a major problem in our church. I don't hear people in our church walk around saying, look, Mike, I promise in the name of the Lord God, blah. I swear by the name of Jesus, whatever it might be. I don't hear that in our church. Uh, It's something that we hear in the world around us. Uh, People say it all the time. Sadly, they say, I swear to God, I'm telling you the truth. Uh, And they, at that point, misuse God's name. Uh, Urban uh, Dictionary, the source of all credible information, uh, says this about that phrase. It's up on the screen. It says, A phrase that liars use as a last-ditch attempt to instill belief in themselves to the person they're trying to con. Uh, There's an encouragement for you. So it's not really our problem. But it's interesting what Jesus says about oath-taking in the Sermon on the Mount. And this is what he says, it's up on the screen. He says this, Jesus says, Again, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven, because it is God's throne, or by the earth, because it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. Neither should you swear by your head, because you cannot make a single hair white or black. But let your word yes be yes, and your no be no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. And that really starts to broaden out oath-taking to the Lord, doesn't it? Uh, And there's lots we could say about what Jesus says there, and there's lots we could unpack. But this is what I want us to notice. You see, notice when we say those words, uh, sorry, notice this, whether we say those words or not, that, that I swear by the name of the Lord... Or whether we say or not, I take an oath in the name of the Lord. The fact that God is the God of everything, even when you and I say, I promise, without saying in the name of the Lord, even if we just say, I promise, or yes, I'll do this, or no, I won't do that, we're making an oath before God. Uh, It's really the point that Jesus makes at the end there in verse 37. Have a look again up on the screen. Verse 37, right at the end, Jesus says, But let your word, yes, be yes, and your no be no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. See, God is a God of everything, and we need to keep our word. And in the second half of this talk, we'll, we'll think about how we as Christians, as Christians, those who, who belong to Jesus and carry the name of Jesus, uh, we have a responsibility as those who carry the name of Jesus. And so being people of truth, that matters. Uh, keeping our word, that matters because we carry the name of our Lord and what we do, we do in the name of our Lord. Uh, lots more we could say there, but we need to keep moving uh, because another way that Israel would break this command in the Old Testament to their own advantage was by false prophecy. And uh, here's an example on the screen, Jeremiah 14. And this is what God says to Jeremiah about those false prophets. He says, These prophets are prophesying a lie in my name. I did not send them, nor did I command them or speak to them. They are prophesying to you a false vision, worthless divination, the deceit of their own minds. And uh, this, is, this is really the, the kind of the oldest trick in the book. 
Uh, it's, it's using the name of another, of a, another higher authority than yourself, to give yourself an advantage, to, to back something up to your own advantage, to achieve your own ends. Uh, it's kind of like uh, the kid who's there uh, kind of eating their ice cream and dad walks by and they say, hey, how come you're having an ice cream? Where did you get that from? And the kid says, mum said it was okay. And then mum walks by, same child, same ice cream, eating the same ice cream, and mum says, hey, why are you eating that ice cream? And they say, dad said it was okay. Uh, not that I've got any particular children in mind. <laughs> but you see, that, that's what these, these false prophets would do. They would proclaim a word in the name of the Lord and they would claim that this word came from the Lord your God and the Lord our God and it was just a complete lie. It was a misuse of the name of the Lord for their own ends, to their own advantage. And the sadness of this is that it led Israel into all sorts of disaster, not just for those false prophets who lied, but also for the people they deceived, for the people who listened to these false prophecies. Uh, So the next few verses of Jeremiah 14, uh, it says this, God says, Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name, though I did not send them, and who say there will never be sword or famine in this land. Well, by sword and famine, these prophets will meet their end. The people they are prophesying to will be thrown into the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword. There will be no one to bury them. They, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, I will pour out their own evil on them. You see, that's the great sadness of the the many, many, many false prophets and teachers who have come in the history of our world and in the history of the church, who have claimed to speak the word of the Lord and yet who have actually uh, misused the name of the Lord for their own ends. They've actually deceived people. They've brought people to falsely worship God, and there are consequences for that. But again, on the whole, this is not a major issue for us here in our church. Uh, Maybe I'm still fresh. I've been here just over a year, but in the last year I've been here, I haven't heard anybody go around saying, hear the word of the Lord. This is what God decrees. You need to give me all your possessions, your house, your car, your money. I haven't heard that. I mean, Phil drives a Kia people mover. He hasn't been preaching that, otherwise he'd have a Ferrari and some gold chains and a white suit and all that kind of stuff. And so it's, it's easy to kind of think that, well, this, this only applies to us in a secondary sense. That, uh, that what we need to do then is make sure that we're not deceived by those false teachers who come falsely in the name of the Lord. That we're not deceived by those who break this commandment and misuse God's name. And that, that, that is a good and right application for this commandment for us. You see, beware of false teachers. Uh, beware. And remember, they're, they're not as explicit as I just was in saying, give me all your possessions. They won't say that. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. Uh, They will use God's word. They'll be subtle. They'll preach from the word of God. They'll claim to teach the way of God. They'll come in the name of the Lord. So yes, beware of false prophets, but there is another way that we can misuse God's name like those false prophets uh, in a way that is kind of like the child who says, mum said it was okay or dad said it was okay, but really they didn't. And it's when we say things like, God has led me to do X, Y, Z, 
or I feel God is calling me to do or to be whatever it might be. Or when we use that kind of language, it says, you know, God has put this on my heart or or God has opened this door for me. And so I had to go down that path because God opened the door. And I want to be careful about how we think about this because there is some rightness to that language. Uh, There is something right about talking about God in that way, but also it's a great danger because on the one hand, God is sovereign. He he is in control of all things. Uh, Everything that we do, God is sovereign over. And so God, he he can convict our hearts about certain things. Uh, God can put our ideas in our minds by his spirit and convict us of things that are good for the sake of his will and, and for his glory and for our sake. You see, the only reason I'm a follower of Jesus is because God opened many, many doors. Uh, God opened the door for my parents to move to Australia when I was four. Uh, God opened the door for me to go to a school that had Christians in it. Uh, God opened the door that I was in a group of Christians at my school, a group in my school that had a bunch of Christians in it. Uh, God was sovereign that I happened to live down the road from a youth group that preached the gospel, and my parents were happy for me to go because it was close. You see, God is sovereign over all those things. He opened those doors, so to speak. Uh, If he hadn't, I'd still be in secular France, you know, eating my baguette, being ignorant of God. I do like baguettes. They're very good. But you see, on the other hand, and we'll see this when we get to Galatians chapter 5 in our gospel teams, on the other hand, the sinful human flesh desires what is against the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God desires what is against the sinful human flesh. And so we need to be really careful when we say that I feel that God is leading me this way. Or when we say, uh, or when we want to do what seems so right to us because God has convinced me that this is really right. Maybe He has. Maybe He hasn't. Maybe it's our own sinful desires. And the problem is, I've heard people over the years say to me, as we've discussed what a good and godly decision might be, they said to me, yeah, I hear what you say, but, but, but God has put this on my heart. Uh, I hear what you say, but, but God has led me to this decision or this purchase or this person or whatever it might be. And so because they feel God's leading in this way, well then, as far as they're concerned, it's a trump card. And even though they have brothers and sisters in Christ who love them and love the Lord, uh, say to them, are you sure that's wise? Are you sure that's a good thing? It doesn't seem to be God's will from what I know of, of God in the Scriptures. They say, but no, God's led me this way. And so it's a trump card. And they use it as a trump card instead of thinking hard of what God actually says in His Word, of doing that hard work. You see, I found a helpful quote from Kevin DeYoung as I was thinking through this. It's up on the screen. It says this, He says, we shouldn't slap the name of God on the back of our plans just because we feel strong about our proposed ideas. When we claim absolute divine authority for our human plans and decisions, we violate the third commandment. So the point is, we need to be careful. We can't simply just slap God's name onto our plans and then declare that as truth. Uh, ignorantly in that way. You see, that's why God's given us each other, so that we can help each other to think through what God says. That's why God's given us His Word, so that we can actually know His will for our lives in a variety of ways. Again, there's more I could say about misusing God's name to our own advantage. Uh, You could think of some examples in the Bible where uh, people would falsely use 
the name of Jesus uh, to perform miracles or to cast out demons. Uh, if you want a good read, uh, read Acts chapter 19 with the seven sons of Sceva. Uh, they're not believers and they try to cast out demons in the name of Jesus and they cop a severe beating. Uh, and you could even think of Matthew chapter 7 where people say to Jesus, well, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your names and we performed marvelous deeds in your name. And Jesus says, I never knew you. Uh, away from me, you, you doers of lawlessness. So there's much more we could say, but I want to move on and more quickly through to the second main way that Israel broke this third command, and that is by profaning God's name. And uh, really, this uh, takes us back uh, to school days. Uh, next slide, thanks. Thanks, Fergus. Uh, it really takes us back to, to school days, or perhaps for some of you still at school. Uh, but I remember when I was at school, uh, the principal, uh, at least a few times a year, would stand up in front of the assembly, in front of everyone, and remind us about how we represented the school. And so the principal would say, as you wear the uniform and as you wear it out in public, you represent the name of this school. And so behave in a way that honours our school and honours the name, because if you misbehave, well, that brings dishonour to our school and it profanes the name of our school. And uh, we heard this a lot at my school, because uh, my school was the kind of school uh, where, particularly after our behaviour on public transport, because uh, back in my day, if you were on the bus or on the train and you could, uh, you could open the windows back then quite easily of the bus and train, and uh, if you had fruit in your bag, it would basically fly out the window sometime on the trip, often at other kids from other schools. Uh, I won't name the school and so profane its name, uh, but Emily, my wife, went there too. She's lovely, so there were some nice people there. Uh, but in the same way, Israel... They, they wore the name of the Lord their God. They, they represented God. And in their behavior, the way they acted, they could either bring honor to that name or dishonor. They could bring glory to God and his name or they could profane the name. And so Leviticus 18 up on the screen says this, God said, you are not to make any of your children pass through the fire to Molech, which is what the pagan religions would do. They would sacrifice uh, their kids to, to Molech, their god, one of their gods. Uh, god said, you're not to do that. Why? Because you're not to profane the name of your god. I am Yahweh. Or Levit Leviticus 21.6, and here God is speaking uh, to the Old Testament priests, and he says to them, about them, they are to be holy in the way they conduct themselves. They are to be holy to their God and not profane the name of their God. And so Israel's behavior, it, it mattered. It mattered. And when they lived in a way that, that was actually contrary to God's word and was actually contrary to the way God had revealed his name as Yahweh in the way that he displayed his character and shown his character to them, when they did that, well, they profaned that name. They misused the name. And sadly, if you know your Old Testament well, Israel do that over and over again. And there are a stack of examples we could look at. But I just want to look at uh, an example from Malachi. Because we looked at Malachi at the end of last year, if you remember, in gospel teams. And uh, do you remember how the priests and the people were bringing their defiled sacrifices to God at the temple? And then God said this, it's up on the screen. He said this, I am not pleased with you, 
says the Lord of hosts, and I will accept no offering from your hands, for my name will be great among the nations from the rising of the sun to its setting. Incense and pure offerings will be presented in my name in every place because my name will be great among the nations, says Yahweh of hosts. But you are profaning it, that is my name, when you say the Lord's table is defiled and its product, its food is contemptible. You also say, look, what a nuisance, and you scorn at the table, says the Lord of hosts. Do you bring that from your hands, asks the Lord? The deceiver, there's the third commandment there, really, but sacrifices a defective animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says Yahweh of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. And again, there's lots there that we could unpack. But in that passage, you see that as Israel lived in a way that was contrary to who God was and contrary to who God had saved them to be as his people, well, God was profaned. And he was mocked. And not only mocked and profaned uh, towards each other within Israel themselves as they led each other astray by their, their disgusting behavior in light of who God was, but they did it before the nations. You see, the nations that Israel was supposed to be a light to of how great God was and of his great glory uh, for the sake of the salvation of the nations, they were supposed to honor God's name. And the reality is, we, as Christians, as, as Christians, as those who belong to God and belong to Christ, you see, the reality is, whenever we live in a way that is contrary to God's word, and contrary to how God has revealed himself so mightily in Jesus, well, we profane the name. And uh, I can think of a stack of uh, personal examples in my own life as to how I've done that. Uh, but just to share one, uh, I remember about 10 years ago or so, uh, we were playing uh, in our soccer grand final. And uh, it wasn't going very well. I think we were losing 2-0 or something like that at the stage. And uh, I, was, uh, I was captain coach of the team at the time, so I did a lot of talking on the field. And uh, one of the guys in, in the team was a very good mate of mine. Uh, and uh, he, I was groomsman at his wedding, so we we're good friends. Uh, he's a Christian as well. And uh, he was having a shocker of a game. Uh, he wasn't playing very well. He kept making mistake after mistake. And I remember this very clearly. It's, it's in my mind. It's embedded in there. Uh, after he made yet another mistake, I just screamed at him, do something good. And uh, I screamed it loud and at the top of my lungs. And there were a bunch of people from, from our different churches who were watching this game. Uh, there were friends and family there who weren't Christians. And uh, there are lots of guys in our team uh, who weren't Christians. And the thing was, they, they knew I was a Christian. Uh, they knew that I was a follower of Jesus. And yet, by the way I behaved, I profaned the name. You see, if ever you want to see sin in action, go to a sporting game and you'll see it. And the guys in the team, uh, you can ask Askin, uh, they still talk about that, asp that, that outburst uh, years later. And uh, sure, it's a bit of a laugh now and they kind of laugh at me about it. But it's a horrible witness to Jesus. See, I profaned the name. And now before every game, before I play, I pray to God that he'll help me to honor his name uh, as I play soccer. And that's just one example. You see, we all have many, many, many examples of how we do that in our lives, how we misuse God's name in that way by living in a way that profanes his name. And as New Testament believers, God has revealed his name in the person of Jesus. 
You see, we carry the name of Jesus with us. And when we fail to act in a way that is Christ-like, that is not like Jesus, our head, our saviour, our Lord and our King, well, we profane his name. We, 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 uh, we misuse his name. And people, they see it. And God sees it. You see, this command is about far more than using God's name as a swear word. And the best way for us to stop ourselves from breaking this command is then by living in a way that actually hallows God's name in everything. And I'll finish with this, but I just want to pick up that last verse of Colossians 3 that Askin read out for us. It's up on the screen. It says this, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God our Father through him. You see, as those who belong to Jesus, our job is not to use his name to our own advantage. And it's not to live in a way, in such a way that profanes the name of our great God. No, no, we're to hallow God's name. We're to honour God's name. We're to do everything in the name of Jesus for the sake of his glory and his name. And you see, as we do that, in front of one another, we actually encourage each other to keep living for our great God. And we need to realize that as we do that, we do it for the sake of the people around us who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You see, people as they see us living out who Jesus is, as we live those distinct Christian Christ-like lives and we're, we're distinct like salt and light and a city on a hill, people see that. And then they see that we belong to Jesus. And in light of that, what do they do? They give glory to God. That's Matthew chapter 5. They see our good deeds and then they glorify God. They honor God. And those people are saved by our witness. You see, the best way to stop ourselves from misusing God's name is to hallow God's name. Is to live in light of what we know of our great God and how he has shown himself so wonderfully in Jesus. Again, there's so much more I could say on this command, but I've gone long enough. But praise God that the very same name we stand condemned of misusing is the very same name that we are saved by. See, praise God that we call the name of Jesus and we are saved. And so how about I pray that God will help us to live in light of that great name. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your name For your name as Father, Son, and Spirit. Father, we thank you for the name that saves us, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Father, we pray that we would live in light of that name to your glory and for the sake of those around us so they too might rightly glorify you. And we ask for your help by your Spirit in the name of Jesus. Amen.